from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. In this episode, I want to share with you five takeaways that I had from our most recent Coach's Edge meeting on pregame and halftime meetings, the time that we spend, what that looks like with our players. And in our most recent Coach's Edge meeting, I had a page full of notes as a handful of our coaches jumped into that meeting, which, I mean, it's a busy time of year. You're heading towards the postseason. And so it's just really cool when our coaches still jump on and are able to share their information, the things that they like, don't like, how they're trying to do certain things better. And one that we haven't talked about a lot is pregame and halftime speeches and strategy and the time and the warm up and things like that. So we'll dig into the five takeaways that I had. And first and foremost, with pregame, before you go out onto the court, we talked about how long that conversation is to our team, how much time we spend breaking down the game, doing the prep. And for the most part, we all left with the same concept that we're spending too much time probably or maybe the majority of coaches spend too much time with their pregame talk on the strategy on the x's and o's on all the different things that uh, they need to try to execute breaking down all the plays and the offense and that we're better off shortening that time now what a short look like it looks a little bit different for everyone but I have a friend of mine who's he coaches one of the top ranked teams in the state of Michigan. All right. Um, and it's division one, the biggest classification. I was talking to him about this a couple of years ago and he shared a really good nugget and it tied right into our coaches that were on our meeting last night. He's like, man, I do not, I do not talk a lot pregame about everything that the other team runs because I don't think my kids are going to remember. I think it's going to be more negative than positive. I think it's going to be more overwhelming than anything. It's my job as a coach to know what the other team is going to do, but it's not my job to spew out all of this information that I have to my players. It's my job as a coach to know when to give them the information that they need in order to be successful. So do we talk about that and, and practice? Yes. Do we talk about some of the things that the other team's going to do pregame and at halftime? Yes. But I'm not giving them everything. I'm giving them what I think that they need. And there's a big difference between giving kids everything and giving them just what you think that they need. With that said, another thing that we talked about was your preparation for that game takes place in the practices leading up to that game not pregame itself. So if you feel like you have to cover all these different things that the opponent is going to do, you probably haven't done a good a job as you need to in those practices leading up to that game. That's what those practices are for. That's what you have all that time for. Pregame is to get the players ready to play, not so much to game plan. That should have been done with the practices that come in leading up to that game. So we left with a just a solid understanding of you know, we're probably giving 
too much information at times. Our uh, pregame talks, if they can be a little bit shorter so our players have more time to get ready, that's a good thing. So that's one. Number two, this is one thing that my college coach did in our pregame. It's something that I took with me leading up to my, as I was playing professionally overseas. And that was the importance of visualization and giving your players quiet time. And so in college, part of our pregame routine, when we would come back and go into the locker room is our, our coach would tell everybody to close their eyes and just take some time to themselves. He didn't necessarily get super specific with what we had to do. He just wanted to give us quiet time really to get our minds right. For me, it looked like visualization. For me, that meant imagining what the defense was going to do. Think about the situations that I was going to be in and how I would execute them effectively. It was also a great chance to calm down. You know, we don't need a hype man or a hype woman going into these games. Kids are fired up enough. So to be able to calm our nerves, slow down, right? And it was, it was just close your eyes, slow, deep breaths, you know, knowing what I know now about breath work, I would close my eyes, I would do some breath work, and I would visualize. And I think that this is something that if I had to make a list of like some of the top things you could do to improve performance, this would be on that list as far as the visualization. I think it's a huge, you know, I think of all the time that I spent as a player playing basketball by myself. I was visualizing where the defense was, you know, and we live in a day and age where there's so much about, you know, playing against other people and, you know, small sided games and how you need to, you know, get other bodies out there, man, the majority of basketball that I played has been against nobody, but me, but it, it's come with the visualization of trying to see and imagine where I would be in a game and what I would have to do to be successful. And it works. It absolutely works and that was a nugget that my college coach did and I just I just loved it it was one of my favorite times to be able to calm myself get my mind right um, every time I did it I felt like it was beneficial and something I needed to do more of and we talk about that all the time at our camps as far as the visualization piece of when you're making a move when you're taking a jump shot when you're driving to the basket whether there's a fender there or not we're visualizing the game you know and in fact I think that good players, they can be more effective working out by themselves sometimes, visualizing a great defensive player than actually playing against somebody who's inferior, playing against some bodies. You know, that's how important I think visualization can actually be. So that's one thing that can be huge and it doesn't have to be long. I mean, it might be a minute of being able to do some breath work, breath work, do some visualization, and then you get on with your pregame and get out uh, warming up. So visualization is number two. Number three is the pregame warmup. Maybe one of the most, <laughs> most uh, concerning aspects mm -hmm. of basketball 
is when I go to a game and I see, you know, two players with a ball shooting and 10 people standing under the basket rebounding. You see half the team sitting at half court. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm offending you, cause this is what you do, you know, sorry, not sorry. Okay. Because as we talk with coaches, this is something that gets brought up quite a bit is how can we better use our pregame to actually get warmed up? And I don't know if as coaches, like you just don't know, some of us don't know what to do, or we think that we're limited because there's only one hoop to warm up on or what, but I hated in high school when we sat down at half court and stretched for five minutes. Like I was just looking at the clock waiting so I could go back to the basket and start doing some shooting. You know, I, I, it didn't, didn't do a whole lot for me sitting on the floor doing static stretching. Right. And what we know now um, from an exercise science standpoint is it's not that helpful. Right. Especially pregame. Okay. If you listen to our Lee Taft episode, who's an expert in basketball movement mechanics, dynamic warmups, it's an excellent episode. And he talks about, how players can warm up, the different movements that they would make in a game, how we can rep that in our warm up very efficiently. It doesn't take a lot of time. Excellent episode with with Lee Taft. We'll have to get him back on again. And it made me feel a little bit better because my last year coaching in Perrysburg, we really flipped the script on our warm ups, and we we decided that we weren't going to do any static stretching. Um, cause half our guy, we'd have a section where half the team would go and do static stretching at half court, like the same thing that I did when I was in high school. That's what they were doing in the next year. I was like, you know, let's, let's just cut this. I'd gone a couple years prior, I had gone back to Europe. All right. So I'd finished my pro career in 2011. Okay. I come back for two years to the U S and then the owner of the club said, Steve, I want you, I want to fly you back out to Germany for a month. And I want you to train all of the players within our different tiers of our program. Cause over there, it's set up much, much differently. So I want you to come train, you know, from the men's team down to the youth team, the high school team, all those well come, you know, and it was sweet. I mean, they gave me an Audi vehicle. They put me in an apartment. They played paid for almost all my meals, um, paid me obviously to come out there, the tickets, everything. Like I was treated like a king. And um, part of me being over there was they had this like men's team in this lower league. And they were like, and <laughs> we want you to play on this men's team when we have these games. And I was like, really? You want me to play with, for this, with this team? Like I was playing pro basketball a couple of years ago. You want me to play on like this, how would I explain it? It would be a, like a really high level men's league, if that makes any sense. Like that's, that's the level that I was playing. I was like, really? Um, I felt like almost insulted, but I was like, Hey, you're paying me. You're giving me all like, okay, no problem. No problem. I got you. Um, so there was a personal trainer who was working with a team and what he had us do pregame was all dynamic movements like so before we would go out and even if we were on the court it was zero static stretching all these different type of crazy you know movements that you know you rarely see but man by the time I finished that I was loose 
I had a little sweat going and I was ready, man. I was ready to play. And guess what? I was dominating, right? As you can imagine, I was dominating that lower league. Um, but that's not the point. The point is I was ready to play because the warm-up that we had with uh, the trainer for this basketball team, he knew his stuff. And it was dynamic movements. There was like some strength uh, aspects to it of like some push-ups and like some planking movements. Um, and so just everything was firing out. You were good to go. Jump ball tipped off and I was moving like I'd for, you know, for at some games, like, okay, by end of the first quarter, I'm ready to go. You're ready to go at the jump ball. Boom. I was ready. And uh, so that was a big one. And so long story short, pregame movements can go and warmups can go a very long way. I'd cut the static stretching. I'd figure out how we can get a dynamic warmup in. Preferably, it's before you get out on the basketball court. And so going back to when I had gone to Europe, I come back after a month and like a year and a half later or something, now I'm back, I'm coaching high school basketball again. And what we did with our team was we would get as much basketball as we could in during the pregame warmup, which meant our physical warmup happened in the hallway, right? So if it was a home game, we had kind of a back haul and we run through a bunch of the dynamic movements that I'd learned when I was overseas. Nothing like too crazy, but definitely helpful. And then when we went out onto the court, it was all basketball. It was all basketball, right? And so I felt like our kids were playing and passing and shooting and cutting and dribbling and finishing and doing all the things that they need to do twice as much as some of the other teams who were just sitting on the floor stretching. So that was a big one. I felt like it helped us be a little bit more successful there. The next two that I want to share have to do with halftime. Number one, halftime adjustments. Halftime adjustments, a very overused term, overrated term, because any good coach isn't waiting until halftime to make an adjustment. They're going to see something. If they need to call a timeout, they're going to do it, and they're going to make that adjustment. Nobody's getting their butt kicked through the first quarter. And they say, you know, let's wait till halftime. We'll make an adjustment, right? You do it, you do it. And so the, the halftime adjustment thing is something that, like if, if you feel like, boy, I got to make a halftime adjustment, should make it in game. Now, it doesn't mean you can't go more in depth during halftime because you have more time than a you know minute timeout. That can be beneficial. However, if you really need a lot of time to explain it, you're probably in trouble at the same time, okay? Um, we had some coaches talk about, you know, during that halftime with the adjustments, it's very important for us to ask questions to the players because they are the ones out on the court. And so instead of, as a coach, we come in at halftime, we know what we're seeing, we talk the whole time, players get out with like a minute left, they don't get a good warm up, and now we're playing, which I would say is not ideal. Can we go in? Can we ask our players what they're seeing, what they're feeling? You know, when the team is, you know, running, you know, that baseline cutter through on the zone, you know, how can we guard that better? Are they trying to, is the screener trying to seal after they set that screen? And they're getting, we're getting beat on that a little bit. What are they seeing? How, how do they think we can make some adjustments? And it's much more of a conversation than it is a speech. I think there's a big difference in that. And that can 
make our halftime quote unquote adjustments much more effective as if we're having a conversation with our players instead of talking at them the whole time. And then going back to our pregame is that time that we spend um, shorter. I don't think it's ideal when we walk out there and we start playing right away because we haven't got warmed up. I mean, if you think of, let's say you got a starter who's playing a lot of minutes, maybe they were in foul trouble, maybe they weren't in at the end of the second quarter. And so they've been out sitting for five to 10 minutes, depending on timeouts and stoppage time. And then you go into halftime and depending on what state you're in, maybe that's another 10, 15 minutes, right? So you're looking at 20, 25 minutes that this player hasn't really done anything. And now we're expecting them to hit the gas when they go out there. Some kids can do it. Some kids struggle in those situations. So if this is tying into our number five, our halftime warmup, we need to spend more time with the halftime warmup. I see too many programs walk out at halftime. They get a couple of basketballs. Everybody stands under the basket. A couple of people shoot. That's it. All right. And, you, and, and the kids that don't even play are shooting. It's like, wait, you, sh you shouldn't be shooting. You should be like the all-time rebounder if that's the case. And I would say we can do even better than that. And that is, do we have a type of warm-up that we can use where we're playing some basketball during halftime? So if we've made our halftime a little bit shorter in the locker room, that gives us more time to get loosened back up and playing. And Maybe it's a shooting drill. Maybe it's a pass cut drill. Maybe it's um, kind of a little live three on three or four on four closeout rotational drill, right? That ends in a shot. Anything that's going to reflect the basketball movements that were are, that are about to take place so that when that third quarter hits, we don't have this like easing our way into the third quarter. That could lose you the game. That could lose you the game because you are easing your way into the third quarter. It takes you two, three minutes to do it. And the other team, they're ready for the third quarter as soon as the ball's in. That could lose you again. You know this, right? And so to get our body ready is vital, vital, vital. Get your players moving, get them passing, get them cutting. Don't have them standing around. If you really think about how long that is between when a kid was in a game to when that third quarter starts, it's a pretty long stretch. It's a pretty long stretch, right? You count fouls, free throws, timeouts, all the different things that stop the game, especially if a player was on the bench in the second quarter, combined with the halftime. It's a long time that kids weren't playing basketball. And that's why I think we see a lot of ugly basketball to start out uh, the third quarter because of that simple thing. I think if you can take advantage of the halftime, get yourself a great warm-up in, you're going to be surprised at how much better your team plays in those first few minutes. That could be a difference maker. So number one, we talked about too much information and too long of a pregame speech. Can we shorten that? Just give the kids what they need, not everything that we know. That's big. Number two, we talked about the importance of visualization before you head out onto the court. Even some breath work uh, thrown in there as well would be vital. I love that stuff. Can't emphasize that enough. I could do a whole thing about how I've used that throughout my playing career. 
with visualization and how I, I think that helped me be successful. Number three, the pregame warm-up. Are there dynamic movements that we can use pre-court time so that we can spend more time on the court playing actual basketball? And then the last two are halftime adjustments. I mean, really, we're making those adjustments already. So when we talk about halftime adjustments, can we have a conversation with our kids instead of just talking at them at halftime? And can we make that time a little bit shorter again so that our halftime warm-up can be more effective so that when we're ready to hit the court, we're up and running, right? Um, if there's a way for you to emphasize, like say you have 15 kids on the team, but you really play seven or eight, to even give those kids more of the opportunities to shoot and get warmed up and, and things like that, that would go a long way as well. Um, because those are the kids that are going to, you know, win or lose you that game. All right. Um, so think about those five different things as you finish out basketball season, maybe basketball season's already over for you. And so there's some notes that you can write down saying, boy, next year, we're going to do some things a little bit differently uh, to be more effective in this area. I really do think that they can make a, a big difference. And honestly, I just apologize. We haven't really talked about this um, in the in the past. Coach Perry reached out to me like a week ago and was like, you know, I'd love to hear more about this specific thing. I'm curious about what, you know, I could do better in these areas. And um, it was a great conversation that we had amongst some of our Coach's Edge members in this specific subject. I learned a lot. I, I think that since 20... See, 20 fall of 2020. So it's been a little over two years, um, about two and a half years that we've had coaches edge.coach. That has been my biggest, there's my biggest learning has taken place with coaches edge.coach and the time that I've spent with the coaches in our membership where we can learn from one another. There's there's nothing really that comes close to how much I've learned about the game of basketball in the past two and a half years then from our coaches edge.coach membership that could be um, conversations that I'm having privately with coaches, emails, phone calls, text messages, that could be um, our coaches edge meetings that could be, you know, them throwing out different ideas and sharing some of their content, like how they break down Dave Gilbert sending me, you know, pages of his six defensive principles that could be, um, them giving different, sharing different ideas. And then I make a PowerPoint presentation on it, um, put some PDFs together so that we can all kind of learn and grow together. I mean, if, if you really know something, you can teach it to somebody else, right? And if you can't explain it to somebody else, probably don't know it that well yet. And so that's forced me to learn what I feel, what I believe uh, at a higher level, because I've had to put some of those things down on paper, into words, into videos, and, and share those thoughts and beliefs strategies with, with others as well. So um, that's been awesome. If you're curious about that, coachesedge.coach, just hit me up, contact at currentbasketball.com. I can share with you a little bit more of what that is all about. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to the Coaches Edge podcast. I wish you the very best, especially if you're still alive in the many states that are uh, still in the tournament. Shout out to Carver's Bay Girls Basketball. They're in the state quarterfinals, the Elite Eight. Very, very exciting, making a run. And, um, you know, wish them the very best of luck as well. Thanks for listening to Coach's Edge Podcast. Get after today.